So again, welcome to Refuge. It's great to have everyone here. If you have your Bibles, that's great. Please open them up. If not, grab a Bible. You're definitely going to need your Bibles. We're going to be in God's Word today. We're going to be in Acts chapter 6. So if you've got a Bible, please grab that. As you grab your Bibles, let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we get into your Word here, Lord, I just pray for your, your presence of your Spirit, your outpouring of your Spirit. Lord, as we see this taking place here and this these stories in Acts, but they're not just stories, they're real real events that took place that your spirit become become on your your followers in such ways that they there's many signs there's miracles there's people's lives transformed lord i pray for your holy spirit to come upon this fellowship in that way that this message would go out through this entire country and people would hear it and they would repent and they would turn to jesus and they'd put their faith in jesus and they would make jesus lord of their lives and their lives would be radically transformed in such ways that they would go out then and share the testimony of who jesus christ is with all the other people they would know. So Lord, I pray for your outpouring. I pray that we'd hear from you today. I pray, Lord, that you would keep clear any distractions that would come in the way of people hearing the good news of Jesus. Clear our minds from any distractions. Silence our phones. We would silence our phones. We would take these outside influences and just set them aside and spend some time with you, Jesus. Lord, that the power would remain on, the live stream would remain on, and just... All these outside distractions would just be silenced. And our focus would be on you. Just for this half hour, this 45 minutes, Lord, that we would just give you worship by studying your word and studying who you are. So I ask them in the name of Jesus that this would take place and that you would speak to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. So it's been pretty exciting for me as we start this new year. It really has. As we begin this study in Acts chapter 6. And as we are studying this, I don't know about you, but I'm really learning from these passages in Acts chapter 6 what kind of person the Lord is looking for to use, right? Because we see he used this man, but we get we see what kind of people he used. After we've been studying the last two weeks, you know, I think we could actually kind of make a list after studying these passages of what kind of person the Lord is looking for, right? Could you make a list if you look through your Bibles in Acts chapter 6? If I was to look at I got I got mine kind of highlighted. I got all sorts of underlines, um, different colors, and, you know, these different things that pointed out. And what I got here is some different highlights. And I got, if I want to be a person that the Lord is going to use greatly, the first thing I see that we've been studying is one that's in His Word. This starts right there. You've got to be in God's Word daily. And then the second one I see is you've got to be in prayer. This is the start of the qualifications of these people that God would use greatly. Then it starts to be well-respected, right? To be living a righteous life, right? To be living your life for God. Be well-respected. To be full of the Spirit. To be full of the Holy Spirit. To abide in Christ. Then through that will come, you'll be full of wisdom. That'll come through that. Then, as you see the chapter continues, it says these men who have been prayed over, and they've had hands laid on them. So we have a list here of what would seem to be the things that came upon these men that were chosen to do a mighty work for God. And I hope, for me, I pray for you that this this new year God would be faithful to all of us that we would be used in the same way as these men. But I believe it starts here, starting with being in the Word of God. Now, as I've read this and I've studied on this, it made me think... Is your desire this year in 21 to be used by God? Have you 
looked at your life. We went through this list. Have you examined your life? As I give you this list that we went over, can you make a checklist? Can you check each one? Yes, I read my Bible and I'm in the Word each day. I'm a person of prayer. I'm a person full of the Holy Spirit. I'm a person in fellowship, right? Because if you're in fellowship, hands will be laid on you. I can go that way. Is this how you would see yourself as we start this new year? Or is this how others would see you? But, no, really, most importantly, is this how God would see you? Would he describe you, right? We talked about a resume last time. Is this how he would describe you? One that's in the word, one that's in prayer, one that's full of the Holy Spirit, one that has wisdom. Is that how you, God would see you in 2021? We read in Acts chapter 6 that seven men had been chosen, right? We read about that. But one man, Stephen, seems to really stand out as a result of his faith and the filling of the Holy Spirit. We get to read about him. So the question is, is all of this has led up to this point that Stephen now is full, right? Full of grace and full of power, right? We studied that last week. He's full of grace and power. So then... As we see this mighty man who's to be used as being used by God, I have to ask the question, am I full of the grace and power? Would you say yes? No? Are you full of grace and power? One way to know this answer is your reaction to the world around you. Right? Your reaction to all the worldly things going on around us. Do you sing that song, God, you are good, as the world is falling apart around us? Do you look to God and just see his goodness, his holiness, his righteousness? His promises reigning true. Is that what you see? Take a moment. Reflect on that and all the things going around you, all the things happening to you in your life. Are you full of God's grace and power? Are you fearful? Is that the other way? Or are you surprised when these things are taking place in our world around us? Is these things surprising you? To see more persecution? To see more disease? To see these things? Does this surprise you? Are you worried? Are you worried about your future? Are you worried about the things going on in the world? It comes to the question, where have you placed your faith in? What things do you count on in this world? Where are you spending your time? Where are you spending the resources that God has blessed you with? What is your calling or purpose for 2021? So as we begin our study today and read, we're going to read what happens to a person when they are full of God's grace and full of God's power. That's what we're going to read about today. So open up your Bibles. I hope you got them open already. Open them up to Acts chapter 6. We're going to look at the first few verses, 8 through 10. Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. But one day, some men from the synagogue of freed slaves, as it was called, started to debate with him. There were Jews from Cyrene, Alexandria, Sicilia, and the province of Asia. None of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit which, which, with which Stephen spoke. This result that we read about in these passages, it's amazing, right? It was amazing. Many signs, many miracles were taking place. Lives were being transformed, right? People were getting saved. People were coming to Jesus. People were repenting of their sins. People were making Jesus Lord of their lives through the testimony, through the preaching of Stephen. That's what he was sharing. God was using Stephen through the power of the Holy Spirit to share the good news. We see that. But then you read, we read in this passage, a dispute began, right? A problem has arisen because of what Stephen had been preaching, that salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. 
So now an argument has begun, right? Between these other Jewish people and these leaders and Stephen. These Jewish leaders or these Jewish people, they wanted to, they wanted to debate with him, right? They want to have an argument with him. Stephen was against, he was, really what he was teaching was against their traditional beliefs, right? You think about their traditional beliefs because he was sharing about Jesus and how, and he, how he was resurrected and how it's in faith in him alone that we are saved. That was against these people's, these Jewish leaders' traditional beliefs. You know, as I thought about this, I found myself in that position here and there. I have taught God's Word, the Bible, and the truth of God's Word, but it has came against sometimes a church's tradition or custom. And they don't, you know, they don't like that at all. And I, I can understand why. Don't get me wrong. I can understand why. But sometimes if we teach the truth of God, through the Bible, verse by verse, something, times things come up, right? Truths come up. And it's against our custom, our own customs at times, and our own traditions. But then it comes in, do we accept God's word and follow God's word? Or do we follow man's traditions? And that's kind of what's going on here in this passage a little bit. I mean, today you can look at it such as water baptism, right? That's a big one here, right? What's God's word say about water baptism? Does it save someone? No. Water baptism does not save a person. Faith in Jesus Christ saves a person. Water baptism is an outward sign that a person has made Jesus Lord of their life and repented and became a follower of Jesus Christ. It's an outward sign. It's a profession of faith, right? It's not what saved them. Jesus saved them on the cross. And then their faith in what he did saved them. And so some people will say, though, I've heard it, you know. Are you saved? Well, I haven't been baptized yet. It's not on baptism. Do you believe in Jesus? Is your faith alone in Jesus? So that's one of the things that I, I, I've run into here. Now, in Stephen's teaching, he's his teaching really teaching about Jesus and the resurrection and faith in Jesus. As he's teaching, is taking the responsibility or the power away from these Jewish leaders because salvation is through faith alone, right? Not through men, not through a church, not through a synagogue, not through a place or any other act, right? It's through faith in Jesus. That's it. So now they're not happy with Stephen in this teaching because they're losing their positions, right? Stephen, he's full of the Holy Spirit and he's going to debate the truth of who Jesus is and what he did. And he's doing this. And he's doing this empowered by God. I mean, just think about that. The creator of the universe and everything known to exist has empowered Stephen to share this message. And because of this, these educated men that have studied all their lives in religion, right? They could not present an argument against Stephen and what he was sharing about Jesus. They couldn't even present an argument. They couldn't win. Now, this still happens today, right? People want to debate theological things, right? Once saved, always saved. Or that water baptism or not. I mean, it goes on and on, right? All these things that people want to argue about and all the things people want to debate. And sometimes they come up to me, especially as a foreigner in this land, and they want to ask me my views of certain things. Well, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? You know, should women be pastors? What about homosexuality? Is it really a sin? We could go on and on with all the questions that are always presented. And they want to come to me personally and ask me these questions, right? What do you think of this? As it's a qualification so I can talk to them. Um, It's it's strange. But what I do every time, and I really have uh, learned that I just take them to the Scripture. I take them to the Bible. I take them to whatever their question is, right? Whatever it would pertain to. I show them the verses that address whatever their question or argument they're asking about and I have them read it they can read it out loud to me and I said what do you think it means and then the debate's usually over 
right? They can't, they're not, because if they're Christian, they're not going to debate God's word typically. Sometimes they will. But the thing is, I just asked them, what do you think? Do you accept God's word and what it says or not? It's easy. I can't change their minds. I know what God's word says. It's very clear on most questions. Most questions, it's very clear. Do you accept this? Do you accept your Bible as absolute truth or not? That's between them and the Lord. It really is. Whether or not they accept this truth, I can't control that. I have no power over that. But the truth, no matter what they say or believe, is still the truth, right? It's absolute truth. God's word, our Bibles. Whether they accept it or they choose to follow it, I can't control that. Will they submit to God's authority or not? That's, I think it comes into some kind of deeper questions. You know, in fact, as I've continued my walk as a Christian, I've seen many things in God's Word, and I'll be very honest here. You ready for this? There's things that I don't even like when I read it. You're like, what? There's things I read, and I'm like, wow, that doesn't seem fair, does it? Or, I don't agree with that. You know what, though? It doesn't matter if I agree or disagree. It's God's Word. I choose to submit to the Father's authority as a follower of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter if I like it. I surrender to the Lord because of what He's done for me. And my faith has been placed in Jesus Christ. And therefore, when I read God's Word and I see it, I submit to it. And that's what these religious leaders wouldn't do. They wouldn't submit to the truth that Jesus had came. He was the Messiah and He had died on the cross and He had paid the price for their sins. And it was by faith alone. The salvation was available to everyone. They didn't like that because it took away from their culture, their tradition, from who they were. Today, just as Stephen, we have wisdom, right? We have knowledge. We have our Bibles, right? God's Word. We have also, with that, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in each of us so that we can read it, we can interpret it, we can apply it correctly, and we can always stand on the truth that comes from God's Word. So let's, I kind of went off on a little tangent there, but I don't know. Let's get back in the passages. Let's uh, continue. Let's look at verses 11 through 15. So they persuaded some men to lie about Stephen, saying, We heard him blaspheme Moses and even God. They, this roused the people, the elders, and the teachers of religious law. So they arrested Stephen and brought him before the high council. The lying witnesses said, This man is always speaking against the holy temple and against the law of Moses. We have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the temple and change the customs Moses handed down to us. At this point, everyone in the high council stared at Stephen because his face become as bright as an angel's. Wow, so much packed into these passages. It's so interesting. The only... Thing, the only way these people could come up to come against to defend their position was to make false accusations because Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit. All they had was to lie about him. That's the best they could come up with. Just to lie about him. To try to assassinate his character and, say, and make up these false things. These men were unable to win this debate. You know, they, they, they just turned to making up lies and attacking his character. Just think about that though. Is that the greatest thing someone could say about you? Right? If someone wanted to attack you, is the greatest, the only thing they could ever come up with against you was to lie? I don't quite qualify that well, I tell you. There's probably some truths in there they could dig up or whatever the case is. Stephen's an amazing man, right? The best they could come up with is just lie. Because he was a righteous, he was just a righteous guy. 
They did this because they saw the only way to combat the teaching that he was teaching about was Jesus to try to convince these others that what he said wasn't truth so they could stay in power was to lie. And these lies, they worked, didn't they? These lies worked. Stephen's arrested. The people were coming against him. These charges that they've charged him with were extremely serious, right? Speaking against the temple, speaking against the law. These were capital offenses, right? They're punishable by death. They were the same charges that had been brought upon Jesus, right? The same charges that led Jesus to the crucifixion. Just think about that. Would Have you ever been charged with the same charges that Jesus had been charged with? It's amazing. If you look closely at these verses, we're going to see the details of all these lies that had been presented. First, they said that that Jesus was greater than Moses. That's what they said. Which is true since Jesus is God, right? Secondly, they said that Jesus is greater than... He said that Jesus is greater than the temple. That's true. God is not confined to a space or a location. Thirdly, they he said that Jesus... This is what they said. Jesus is greater than the law. Well, that is true. But what it was is Jesus was actually the fulfillment of the law. Right? Then the fourth we see is that Jesus was greater than their religious customs and traditions, which again is true. But they had twisted his words. They were twisting his words. Stephen, he was glorifying God by sharing the truth of Jesus. And then all they've been accused of all these lies. They were twisting his words. They were bringing false accusations on him. This is, who does this, what does this story sound like? It's the same story as Jesus, isn't it? He was there to to bring the message, a powerful message of salvation, right? A message of hope. But they twisted his words, and they accused him of crimes he didn't commit. As I read this passage, I ask myself, have maybe I ask yourself too, have you ever been in a situation, been confronted with a situation where someone is looking at you and accusing accusing you of something that is just a lie? Has everyone done that to you? Just lie lying and twisting your words and saying that you've done something or said something that you didn't even do. Have you ever been in that position? I have. I've I've been there while I've been accused of something that I didn't do. But not only that, the witness lied completely about what I said. But then they also took my words and they twisted them to try to mean something else. What, what would your reaction be as you would be confronted about that? What was, what was I think about what my reaction was. It wasn't good. It wasn't good. To be slandered, really. So what was Stephen's reaction to those men who were confronting him with lies? What was Jesus' reaction? Think about Pilate. What is truth? As we read in verse 15, we see Stephen's face reflected the love of Jesus. It's a, that verse, it's very interesting, isn't it? It says, because his face become as bright as an angel's. He had peace. He had some peace. He had confidence. He knew the truth of who Jesus was. He knew that Jesus, even with all of this going on, would never leave him or forsake him. He had a supernatural peace about him. That as he's being accused of things that he didn't commit, knowing what was the penalty? is death. Being accused of these things, knowing if he's found guilty, the penalty is death. Yet he had a peace. Because he knew who Jesus was. Stephen's sharing a parallel experience as Jesus did, isn't he? From the teaching 
teaching salvation as Jesus did, to now teaching of the resurrection through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, to being arrested, to having false accusations brought upon him. It's really interesting. Let's look at verse chapter, Acts chapter 7, verse 1. Then the high priest asked Stephen, are these accusations true? What would you say? Stephen's being questioned. Very possibly by the same high priest who had questioned and convicted Jesus. He knew this. He knew this. How would you respond if you were in Stephen's shoes? What would your response be? Stephen had been proclaiming the truth of Jesus. He's now accused of crimes that are punishable by death. Well, how would you respond? What would be your main concern in your mind if you were before these leaders facing these questions? Let's see Stephen's response in verses 2 through 4. This was Stephen's reply. Brothers and fathers, listen to me. Our glorious God appeared to our ancestor Abraham in Mesopotamia before he settled in Haran. God told him, leave your native land and your relatives and come to the land that I will show you. So Abraham left the land of the Chedillians and lived in Haran until, turn the page, his father died. Then God brought him here to the land where you now live. Stephen's defense is, it's very interesting. As he starts, it's not even a defense, is it? He begins this message, firstly, very obvious, without frustration, without fear. I mean, if someone had accused me of these things, I'm sure I would have been very frustrated, very angry, very upset. And then I would have been very defensive. That's not what I see here. It's not at all what I see. He doesn't... Does he even try to prove his innocence? Not really. In fact, what he does is he's trying to point them to Jesus. Think about that. These leaders had asked Stephen to explain himself about these accusations that's been brought forward, and he takes and he uses this as an open door to share who Jesus Christ is. You know, as I think about this, we know this, but we must always, always be ready to share who Jesus is. Because we never know when an opportunity may come up that we'll have that to share. I think about this personally. People sometimes will always ask me, you know, what are you doing here in Myanmar? Why would you live here in Myanmar when you could go back and live in the U.S.? I used to say that a lot, not as much anymore (laughs) since Corona. But whenever they ask me that question, why why would you live here? What are you doing here? For me, this always opens a door for me to share about Jesus. Because then I can tell them how Jesus has transformed my life radically. How I was a hopeless, hopeless man who had been given the gift of Jesus and now had peace inside my soul and I have hope and I knew joy. And then I can tell them I'm here in Myanmar because God has commissioned me to go and share with all these people here the hope that I found in Jesus. To share the gift of the gospel to others that I've experienced. So that they open that door by asking me a question, right? And it opens that door and I can start talking to them about it. Oh, why am I here? Then I can, we see in this picture here that these, Stephen used this as an open door to talk about Jesus. Instead of defending himself or standing up for himself, he uses it to talk about Jesus. It's just amazing how we continue to see Stephen faithful to serving God, even though when he was facing death. We can look at, at this message or this lesson and we can see, you know, look back at the passages that we just read. You can see so many points in there as he is talking 
about Abraham. I'd like to look at a few of them because it's an amazing lesson. You can spend a lot of time, but I just want to look at the main points of what he's talking about. I think the first interesting point I see is that he addresses God as glorious God. And by saying it in that way, what he's saying is that Jesus is God. He's in person. Then he mentioned that God was present. Look closely. He looks at God was present before the promised land. This was important to these Jewish people, the Jewish leaders, right? Before the temple, God was present. Before even the law was given to Moses, God was present. Because You know why? Because God was greater than all them things, right? Well, they didn't like to hear that. They knew it to be true, right? They knew it to be true. But they put God in the temple. They put God in that place. They put God with their traditions. He continues to bring some truths out that it wasn't by Abraham's perfect obedience that he was considered righteous before God. Because they lifted Abraham way up here, right? But it wasn't because he's perfect obedience. It was through faith in in God that Abraham was blessed and considered righteous. You look and you know the story of Abraham, right? Abraham was told by God to go to the land that he had promised, right? And he was told to go there and he was told to leave his relatives, right? And go to this promised land. But what did Abraham do? Did he follow perfectly? Not even close. Not even close. He made so many different things, but we read that first he settled in this other area, Haran. And then you read that he took his family with him, right? He wasn't supposed to, that's not what God told him to do. What about Lot? He wasn't even supposed to be on the trip. Caused him all sorts of problems, right? His father, he ended up burying his father on the way. But it's interesting. It wasn't that Abraham was perfect. He was, he had faith though. So that's a big thing to think. Because they think that your actions or your works can lead to salvation. Stephen has even more to say about this. Look at verses 5 through 7. But God gave him no inheritance here, not even one square foot of land. God did promise, however, that eventually the whole land would belong to Abraham and his descendants. Even though he had no children yet, God also told him that his descendants would live in a foreign land where they would be opposed as slaves for 400 years. Uh, Verse 7. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them, God said. In the end, they will come out and worship me here in this place. Stephen is now, I believe, sharing about God's timing. And even though we may not see all of God's promises fulfilled, that doesn't mean they're not true. I think this is important. Even though Abraham didn't completely follow instructions also as God had given him, God's plan, God's promises would still come to be fulfilled, right? It was according to God's timing, though. It's important. And again, it's through faith. Because Abraham, think about this. He was promised these lands and promised all these things. What proof did he have even when he was in the land? What proof did he have? What worldly guarantee had he been given that God's promises were true to pack up everything and leave his land? What did he have? What he had was a promise from God. That's what he had. He didn't have worldly guarantees. He had a promise from God. In Abraham's lifetime, he didn't even see firsthand many of these promises come to pass. But he remained faithful. Walking out or living God's promises in each of our lives can it can be very difficult at times. It can be very difficult. But we are called, such as Abraham, Abraham, to be faithful and steadfast in our faith. We know that as we walk this out, as we walk out as Christians and we remain steadfast, we know, though, that God's people will be face persecution, won't they? They'll face difficult times. You see this in the passage. He's talking about this, right? He said, look, They're even enslaved, but God was in control the entire time and his promises were still true and they still were being fulfilled. Um, 
I don't, it's just amazing. Stephen points out these, these people to us as he's going through these passages. They're spiritual fathers, the Jewish spiritual fathers. They weren't perfect, these people, these men. They weren't perfect. They needed Jesus' grace just as much as any of us need Jesus' grace today. And I, you know, these Jewish leaders, they didn't like to hear that. They didn't make sense to them. It's all about Jesus using imperfect people to accomplish his perfect will. You've heard that before. And it goes true even with the patriarchs of the Bible. Imperfect people to accomplish God's perfect will. Stephen has another point to make if we see in verse 8. God also gave Abraham the covenant, the covenant of circumcision at that time. So when Abraham became the father of Isaac, he circumcised him on the eighth day. And the practice was continued when Isaac became the father of Jacob, and when Jacob became the father of the twelve patriarchs of the Israelite nation. Stephen continues to preach that God's covenant requires faith, but also obedience. It's very interesting. It's a, it's a reminder of these men of God, how they received his blessing. They received God's blessing through the promises that he made him, through that covenant that he made him. Just as each of us receive the blessing of God through our repentance and through our faith in Jesus today. Now again, Stephen's going to continue. He's going to bring up another Jewish patriarch to teach about the truths of Jesus. Look at verses 9 through 16. These patriarchs were jealous of their brother Joseph, and they sold him to be a slave in Egypt. But God was with him, and he rescued him from all his troubles, and God gave him fair favor before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. God also gave Joseph unusual wisdom so that God appointed him governor over all of Egypt and put him in charge of the palace. But a famine came upon Egypt and Canaan. There was a great misery, and our ancestors ran out of food. Jacob heard about there was still grain in Egypt, so he sent his sons, our ancestors, to buy some. The second time they went, Joseph revealed his identity to his brothers, and they were introduced to the Pharaoh. But Joseph sent out for his father Jacob and all his relatives to come to Egypt, 75 persons in all. So Jacob went to Egypt. He died there. But as our ancestors, their bodies were taken to Shechem and buried in the tomb Abraham had bought for a certain price from Hamor's sons in Shechem. Stephen's message here, it's transitions, right, into another patriarch, the story of Joseph and how he was rescued from slavery and then elevated and saved by God, right, to a, a position of power. Remember, as we look at these passages, these Jewish people, they really believed that they were saved through their birth, right? Through their birthright as Jewish people. by the And also by the law, and also by their worship of the temple and in the temple. Stephen's sharing again that we are saved through faith in Jesus. In the story of Joseph, we know that God was with Joseph. It says it. He was with Joseph all the time, the whole time. It wasn't just in the temple. It wasn't just in Israel. It was be, this all happened before there was even a temple, before the land. And St- Stephen just continues to share more and more about him. We see that God's promises even here always come to pass, but according again to God's timing. You know, be, as we know too, we see the trials that Joseph faced, right? He was blessed abundantly, but we see that many, many trials he faced. But what happened after these trials? Many blessings also. Stephen really, he paints a picture of Jesus here. You guys see the picture of Jesus through this story? It's very interesting. God had ordained Joseph to rule over his brothers, right? We know the story, the dreams and everything. And But he was rejected by his own people, by his own family. 
Many of you know the story. Later, they, they were going to even kill him. But luckily, or divinely, he was sold into slavery instead. Was this part of God's plan? That God's chosen, ordained person to lead his people would be sold into slavery? That he'd be persecuted? Be thrown into prison? Think about that. We all know the story. Many years later, Joseph was given a great place of honor. Only second to Pharaoh. And then we know, and we read it here, and we've read it in the Old Testament, that Joseph's family came to him broken, hungry, starving, broken people, then bowing before him as a ruler. They had rejected the very person that God had sent to save them and rule over them. It's a picture of Jesus. The Jewish people, they had a long history of doing this, right? They rejected those that God sent to save them from their sins. And Stephen was just showing them again. You guys continually do this. Through all the patriarchs, you did it. Now you did it to Jesus. Stephen is pointing them to Jesus through sharing the story about Abraham and about Joseph. They had been men that had sent to free them from their sins, to free them from bondage, to provide for them. Yet again, though, they rejected the messenger from God. But this time, with Jesus, they actually rejected God himself. I see so many lessons in these passages that you can reflect on. And I think the most important lesson I see, starting with, is that salvation is through faith alone in Jesus. Not in a building, not in a place, not in culture, not in the law, not in traditions. It's through Jesus Christ alone in what he did on the cross. That's it. You can't, you're never going to add to that. You couldn't add to it. Second is that God's promises, his covenants are always true and will always be fulfilled. But just as Abram, we don't always see that happening, right? They happen later sometimes. But think about our world today. Think about all that's taking place around us. God's promises are still true today. As a pastor, I, I sorry, I was listening to my pastor from the U.S. At, on a podcast the other day. And he said something to me that, that really spoke to me. He said that we should be thanking God and we should know how blessed we are that we are able to be sitting here today as witnesses to everything that's taking place around us. To thank God how blessed we are to see God's prophecy laid out right before our eyes going on right in our world today. We get to see that. Most people don't get to see that. Most generations don't get to see that. We actually are witness to it. Right before our very eyes, we see God's truth just coming true. I mean, His promises coming true. Pandemics. Governments falling. One world government. We can go on and on with all the things going on right now. We get to see and be a witness to God's truth right before in our own generation. It's amazing. We get to see the faithfulness of God through it all. You are good. You are good. We have an assurance, all of us, all of us have assurance that if we have placed our faith in Jesus, that however these things in our world, whatever takes place, we know we have a place in heaven. We know that if we placed our faith in Jesus, that we will be with the Lord. So I ask you again, I started with the question, today, in this crazy world around us, are you full of God's grace and power? One way, I I mentioned it earlier, it's a review now. One way to know the answer, what is your reaction to the things going on in the world around you? What is your reaction? Take a moment, reflect on that. Think about this week. Just let's start with 2021. It's only been like two weeks, but... 10 days. What has been your reaction to the things going on in the world around you? Frustration? Fear? 
Surprised? Are you surprised? It's all in the book. Shouldn't be surprised. Are you worried? Do you have your is Jesus your Lord and Savior or not? Because if he is, you shouldn't be worried. You got no worries at all. What what where is your faith? Where have you placed your faith in? Is it the things of this world? Is it a vaccine? Is that where your faith is? I'm not saying a vaccine is bad. It's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying our faith needs to be in Jesus. What things are you counting on? What's important to you? Where are you spending your time? Where are you spending your resources? What is your calling or your purpose? What example has Stephen given to us? Think about this. I challenge everyone. This man was out there sharing and preaching the gospel, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ without reservation, none. And then when confronted by the leaders, the only thing they could come up with was to make lies about him, to try to get him to stop preaching Jesus. And then when he's in the courts facing the same crimes that they placed on Jesus, the same consequences would be death. What did he do? What was most important to Stephen as he faced a group of men that could have him killed? What was the most important thing on his mind as his face shone in the glory of God? Is to share Jesus. He wasn't worried about him. He knew where he was going to go. He was worried that they would know the truth of who Jesus Christ was. And he used their patriarchs and their scriptures to try to explain to them who he was. I don't know. I think that we miss this today. I really think we're missing it. We're so worried about all these things taking place in this world. We're missing it. I want to close this message with a psalm. Psalm 28, verses 7 through 8. The Lord is my strength and my shield. I trust him with all of my heart. He helps me and my heart is filled with joy. I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. The Lord gives his people strength. He is a safe fortress for his anointed king. Save your people. Bless Israel, your special possession. Lead them like a shepherd and carry them in your arms forever. As I read that verse today, it really spoke to me. And then after worshiping earlier with you, I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. Is that our reaction to all the things in the world today? That we burst out in songs of thanksgiving of the God that we serve. Think about that. Songs of thanksgiving among this crazy world that we live in. We're safe, but many others aren't. And we have a a calling and a purpose to go out there and share with others the hope that we found in Jesus Christ. Please pray with me and we will continue our worship service. Heavenly Father, I just pray that this message would be heard, Lord, that we... Our focus needs to be on sharing what you've done for us. Lord, that our reactions to the things, these pandemics, these viruses, this sickness, the the governments, the politics, Lord, would be that you are so, so good. That we are so privileged and blessed to live in this generation to see prophecy fulfilled before our very eyes, to see your faithfulness before our very eyes, to be a witness and a testimony and to testify about the truth of the Bible. That would be our hearts this week. We're so privileged, Lord, to be here, to be here in the end times, to see that our faith in God is just unfolded, that these things are unfolding before our very eyes, and we are a witness to it. And it it provides amazing opportunities. Many doors, as I shared, are open because of all these things and all these things that are taking place in our world that we can share the hope of Jesus because the hope in the world is gone. It's gone, and it's fading even faster each and every day. So Lord, I just pray that each one of us would be empowered by Your Spirit. We'd be full of Your Spirit, Lord, be full of Your grace, and we'd go out this week, Lord, and we would share. We'd share without reservation, as Stephen did, that the most important thing we could do in our lives, not even saving our own, 
would be to share the good news of Jesus Christ with the world around us. That's my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.